Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship at First Presbyterian on this Labor Day weekend. All who are able, please stand for the call to worship. From the 150th Psalm, praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty expanse, praise Him for His mighty deeds, praise Him according to His excellent greatness, praise Him with trumpet sound, praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals, with loud resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We praise God with our hymn of praise. Heralds of Christ who bear the King's command. Let us sing to the glory of God.
Please be seated. Boy, if that isn't a way to start a worship service, I don't know what is. Woo! And we do come to worship, and in the presence of God, we praise God, but we also become then keenly aware of our own shortcomings and limits and sinfulness. So we sing praises, but we also fall to our faces because we are unworthy. Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Scripture says we're fooling ourselves, we're deceiving ourselves to say that we have no sin. But Scripture also says if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins, cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and lead us in His ways everlasting. So with candor, with humility, with awe, let us confess our sins before God and neighbor, first corporately, and then in a time of our own silent personal confession. Let us pray together. Ever-present God, we have ignored your presence and denied your power. We have doubted rather than trusting you. We have complained when we should have celebrated. We have pursued private agendas while you summoned us to community concern. We have kept our faith to ourselves when you call us to share good news. Forgive our unfaithfulness, O God. Mend our ways and re-enlist us for your kingdom purposes. In the name of the crucified, the risen, the living one, we pray. Amen. Friends, who is in a position to condemn us? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in glory for us. And Christ prays for us. Friends, all who are in Christ are a new creation. The old way is past, it is gone, and behold, in Christ Jesus our lives begin fresh and new. So friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. I could have the children come down, those of you that are here.
morning, good morning. Great to see you all. Come on down, guys. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome this morning. It's wonderful to see you all. We do have a light crowd today, don't we? Does anybody know why? It's Labor Day. Yep, and a lot of our friends are traveling. Good morning. Right, tomorrow is Labor Day. Thank you. You're exactly right. You are right. Thank you. Right, so today's really the Sunday before Labor Day, so you're exactly right. You're dead on. Okay, well, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about a lot of stuff, haven't we? Right? We've been talking about all the things that God is doing for us. He's given us a lot of stuff. First, he gave us an invitation, yep, which we get to decide we're going to accept. Then he prepared our way. We had our light and we had our lanterns, so he got us ready and prepared, right? Then we talked about the gifts that he's given us, which are too numerous to mention in this company because there's so many, right? So he's given us a bunch of cool stuff to talk about over the last few weeks. So this week, we're going to talk about something else. We're going to talk about what we can do for him. Can you imagine that, that we and our little selves, we can do something for the great God? That's pretty cool, isn't it? right? Because he can do anything himself, but he relies on us as his children to do what? What are some of the things we can do for God? Yes. Pray to him. Exactly. Pray for our friends, pray for ourselves, pray for our parents. Absolutely. In all things, we can pray even for the teeny tiniest little thing. Okay. What else? Yes, sir. But you know what? I couldn't have said it better myself. We can help people by standing up when they fall down. Boy, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? And that's exactly what we're talking about today. You put it perfectly. We're talking about, hang on guys, going out and telling people about God. Telling him, telling them the good news of Jesus Christ. Right? How do we do that? Do we do that by our words? Yep. We do it by our actions. Absolutely. Because we want to show people, what's that? Your manners. Yes. The way we treat people. So important. So important. All right. Hang on one sec. We'll talk about when we get up there. Okay. So that's what we're going to discuss today. How we and ourselves and our humanity, even though you guys are kids and I'm an adult, doesn't matter. You can do it just as well as I can. Go out and talk about Jesus and tell people the good news of Jesus. Now, next week, we're starting something super exciting. We are starting the story, which is our new Sunday school. Next week's our first official start of Sunday school. Who's excited? Me. Yes, right? So what I want you to do this week, invite somebody to come to church next week and tell them we're learning about the story. It's a perfect time for them to come. So you can invite one of your friends to come next week, okay? That would be so awesome. If each one of you brought a friend, that would be super cool, right? Well, I can handle it. Bring them on. Bring them on. Okay. Now we need to put our praying hands together. Do remember we have these hands, these hands, these hands, however you want to do it. We're going to bow our heads and we're going to go to Jesus in prayer right now. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and for these precious souls that are here with us in your name. Lord Jesus, we just ask that you will help us to be strong in our faith and sharing our faith with others. And Lord, we ask that you will bring people who need to be here to us so that they can learn the good news of your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's go upstairs, you guys. reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John in the 17th chapter, verses 18 through 23. Listen now for God's word. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
Once again, those who are able are invited to stand out of honor and respect to God's word as it comes to us in our second lesson from the Gospel of Matthew, in the last, the 28th verse of his gospel, beginning with the 16th verse. Listen to God's word, speak to your life. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Our summer series on the Kingdom of God, Kingdom Come, has brought us here to the last chapter, the last verses of Matthew's Gospel, and the famous, famous last words of Jesus. Now, I want us to think for just the next few moments about famous last words, but I'm not talking so much about famous last words such as the good old boy, backwoods boy, said to his friends and neighbors, hold my beer and watch this, y'all. Those are not the kind of last words that I'm speaking of. I understand that uh, some of the famous last words that are spoken to the Georgia Bulldogs before they take the field are finish the drill. Those are good last words, but you have to heed and do those famous last words. That was a bad joke. But famous last words in the big events of life are those memorable moments, those marker events in our lives, those words become iconic. We listen more intently, we remember more clearly, we hold on more tightly to those last words. Because sometimes in those moments, those important events, it feels like a matter of life or death. Those last words can become famous. They can become life-changing words. Newt Rockney, at halftime of the 1928 game between his fighting Irish and army, spoke what are now the immortal words to his team before they took the field. Win one for the Gipper. Remember also Eisenhower as he prepared and addressed the troops before D-Day, particularly the paratroopers that would go over and start the invasion behind the enemy line. And there is that uh, beautiful picture of Eisenhower addressing the troops and his words to those men willing to risk their lives. He said to them, full victory and nothing less. Parents can speak famous last words to their children on the first day of school or when they drop them off on a college campus or before they walk down the wedding 
aisle. Famous words, last words can be spoken on the first day of the job or at other pivotal moments in life. Last words, important instructions. I remember a set of words that were spoken to me one particular summer many years ago. It occurred at Lake Jackson near Barnwell, Georgia. My uncle had a little cabin there on the lake and growing up we spent much of our summers there. Lake Jackson is a very important place to me. Memories etched into my childhood. It's where I learned how to swim. It's where I learned how to fish with a cane pole and a bobber and a red wiggler on a hook catching brim. There's hardly anything more fun than that. And it's at Lake Jackson that, where I learned how to ski behind an outboard motorboat with a 65 horsepower Johnson motor. I must have been between 8 and 10 years old and I remember being in the water on that big day. It was time for me to graduate from that little board that you knelt, knelt on behind the boat or the inner tube that slung you around behind the boat and to actually get up on skis. I remember a cousin, my sister, my uncle in the boat and they were all shouting instructions to me. Keep your skis parallel, Chuck. Bend your knees, flex your arms. It's like you're sitting in a chair and then you'll feel the boat pull you up. Just stand up into it. I was listening to all of those final instructions quaking in the water, but the words that I remember most clearly were the last words, and they were my father's words, and he said to me, hold on tight, Chuck. I gave the signal. The Johnson motor roared, the rope grew taut, and amazingly I felt my, my body being pulled through the water, and then as if by some invisible force out of the water. And I began to stand up and I thought for a few seconds, I remember saying to myself, I'm skiing. But that was short-lived. These big pieces of wood on my feet began to wobble and then splayed out, one to either side, and I went diving forward. The skis were ripped off of my feet. And back in the late 60s, early 70s, we didn't have these, like, slick ski vests, we had what? Ski belts. Foam that had been encased in rubber with a little latch on the front. As my body went forward into the water, the ski belt stripped off of my body. And I began to bounce on the surface of the water. And it was about the time that my bathing suit went past my ankles <laughs> that I realized Something is not right here. But I was holding on tight, Chuck. Last words. Important instruction. Jesus speaks to his disciples here at the end of Matthew's Gospel. These words are spoken to his closest circle of friends, his followers, words spoken after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, 
after Jesus' appearance to His disciples and continuing to teach them for 40 days, this is right before the ascension because Jesus said, I will leave you. I will return to my Father, but I will not leave you orphan and alone. Jesus speaks these words before He is taken up into heaven and He gives His disciples marching orders. Go. Go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. These words have become known as the Great Commission, the church's marching orders to go, to baptize, to teach, to model the faith. Jesus Christ, the good news of our Lord. Jesus is here launching His disciples into the world to bring the kingdom of peace, of love, of justice on earth as it is in heaven. All that Jesus has taught them about the kingdom and its qualities and characteristics and how to model it and how to live it, Jesus is saying, now go. And see that kingdom realized on earth as it is in heaven. But the fact of the matter is, these words, these famous last words were spoken a long, long time ago. Do they still have an urgency to them? Or has it worn off? Do they still have the same power as they did when Jesus uttered them to His disciples. It's true in a world that has changed quite a bit and become hard and in many ways scary that it is tempting for us as disciples of Jesus Christ, as followers of the risen Lord, to think of the church not as a launching pad but as a hiding place. A place where those of us who know the secret password and the secret handshake, we can gather to celebrate our good fortune and our blessings. We can repeat our favorite stories. It is here that we eat food that has been prepared for us, and we do so in a clean, comfortable, and beautiful setting, a clubhouse of sorts. And it's tempting sometimes to think of ourselves as consumers of God's love. Chosen. People who have been given more gifts than we can hardly open. Gifts of healing, forgiveness, restoration, resurrection. Jesus' words were go. Go make disciples. Teach Go share the story and become part of the story. But are those words still a driving force, a motivating word in our lives? The truth of the matter is, is that we do still hear these words. We hear these words in a slightly different form every week at the end of the service when we gather. The service ends with a charge. 
and a blessing. And we are charged to go and preach the gospel at all times and when necessary to use words. I'll never forget one Sunday that one of our dear members, Dr. Bob Potts, said to me, Chuck, I love those words, but we need to remember that there are times when it is necessary to use words. At the end of the service, we sometimes hear the words, Go in peace, love and serve the Lord. Go. Or have courage. Stand firm in your faith. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Love and honor everyone. Go and do that in the world, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, we hear. But these are not words for consumers of God's love. These are words for providers of God's love. Maybe we have heard them so long that we have taken for granted what it is that we are being asked to do. Because the the, the charge that is given to us is the same charge that was given to Jesus, the same charge that Jesus gave to His disciples, the same charge that Jesus gives to us. To preach the kingdom in words and in deeds. And if you're like me, I feel like a lot of times I do a pretty good job of that. In the safety of my home, in the comfort of my church. But Jesus' command to us or to go. Go, he says. And where? Where is it that Jesus tells us to go? He says, go into all the world. But Jesus, that's a big place. Where in the world are we to start? If we look at Luke-Acts, the end of the Gospel of Luke, and the beginning of his Gospel of the Acts of the Apostles, we get some help. Because Jesus says, some ve- says a very similar thing to his disciples. But Luke gives it in, in, in a similar way, but slightly different, because there is a progression to the words that Jesus gives to his disciples before his ascension. He says, go. Beginning in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the world. If Jesus were to speak those words to us today, it may sound like this. Go to the houses just on your street. Go to your neighbor. Then go to your neighborhood. Then go to Columbus, Chattahoochee Valley, Georgia, the United States, and to the world. And it's like dropping a pebble. And the circles move out in ever-widening concentric patterns. But start close to home. Start with the house next door. Start with the office just down the hall. Start with going to market days on Broad Street. Start with getting outside the walls of our homes and of our churches. 
Several weeks ago, I picked up a book that someone had given me several years ago. The title of the book is, They Like Jesus, But Not the Church. It's written by a pastor out in California named Dan Kimball, and he's talking about a missional movement of the church, the emerging church of the 21st century, and what it is called to be and to do. The title of the book is, is built off of the words from Mahatma Gandhi, spoken years ago when Gandhi said, Your Christ I love, it is your Christians that I have trouble with because they are so unlike your Christ. They like Jesus, but not the church. And the chapter that caught my eye is the chapter entitled, Why I Escaped the Church Office. As a pastor, you can understand why that caught my attention. And in this chapter, Kimball talks about our Christian life growing in phases. First, we become a Christian. We grow up in the church, possibly, or we come to a faith in Jesus Christ and profess Him as Lord and Savior. That's phase one. Phase two, we become part of the church. Phase three, then we find ourselves in a comfortable bubble, a Christian bubble. And then phase four, we, we then develop an, an exclusive protection from the world in that Christian bubble, and it becomes like a social club. The questions that Kimball asks at the end of the chapter to spark discussion and thought are these. What is the percentage of time that you as a Christian spend in the church in meetings and gatherings? And then a question to pastors. How much, what is the percentage of your time that you spend in your office or your study? The second question, what is the percentage of, the, of your time that you spend among people who aren't part of a church? And then this question, how many, how many people in your life know Jesus Christ and how many of them are you praying for? And then he suggests looking at our calendars and cutting out and delegating responsibilities and things maybe to others and cutting back so that we can free ourselves up to do what he says, start thinking like missionaries again because we are those who are sent on a mission by Jesus Christ. I hesitate to tell you this, but I must be honest that some of the best evangelism that I've done in the past year or so was during my sabbatical. And I'm not standing up saying, oh, I need another sabbatical so I can do good evangelism. No, but I learned something during my sabbatical because on many of those Saturdays, I had a freedom to just linger on Broad Street during market days where people from all over the area will bring flowers and fresh produce and things that they have made with their hands to sell on the streets. And it is like a gathering place, a rich, eclectic mix of all kinds of people. And after I had finished my early morning runs with my running group, I would linger. And it was there that I met two people who are Earth Baby, they are the Columbus Soap Company, 
they met me as a slightly overweight, slightly overweight, middle-aged guy who was all sweaty and trying to get in shape. Bonnie and Kevin Rearman are now members of our church. They didn't know I was a pastor at the time and probably a good thing. But they have since joined our church and there are at least two other individuals or families that have joined our church because of that relationship. I fell in love with Bonnie and Kevin, but I have to tell you that I first fell in love with their product. And I will unashamedly stand here and make a very deliberate plug for Earth Baby Soap, the Columbus Soap Company, and their candles, and their shea butter. They are awesome products. And they are made right there in the kitchen of the Rearman home. It just so happens that I found myself on Broad Street yesterday at Market Days, and I, there I was in front of the Earth Baby table. And I found myself unashamedly walking up to strangers and, and coaxing them to the table and, and telling them, you have to try this product, but let me warn you, once you do, you will become addicted to it. It is so good. And I made some sales. But I don't get a commission. But I might after today. But as we were driving home, Jeannie and I were in the car, and I said, Jeannie, why is it that I can talk to people so freely and joyfully and passionately about Earth Baby Soap? And sometimes I find it so hard to talk about Jesus Christ in the same way. My friends, our faith is personal, very personal. But it is not private. It is personal. It is powerful. But it is not private. And we are called to share our faith, our Lord, with our neighbors and with the world. And we do not do this under our own power and by our own strength and by our own wisdom because it is very clear that we have been given power to do this work, to go on this mission and to be successful in it. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans, it is the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that resides in us as His sons and daughters. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that lives in us. And if we know that we have that Spirit, there is nothing that we cannot do in His name. We operate not under our own power, but by the authority and the power and the grace of the living God. Lord, take my car out of park because I know that you, not even you, can drive a car when it is still in park. At least let me put it in neutral, Lord. That you might push me and nudge me where it is that I need to go, starting close at home. And it can be as simple as inviting someone to come to church next week to be part of the story that we are launching. Or the Sunday after that, for goodness sake, as we are participating in the National Back to Church Sunday. And, and I have no problem inviting people to this church because I know the people, you, that, that they will meet when they come here. 
and your beautiful and winsome and open welcome. But more importantly, when we invite someone, it is not necessarily to the church, yes, but to come and to meet Jesus himself. He is here. You know, it's so important that we remember that Jesus died, yes. That He rose, yes. But that He ascended, yes. Jesus said, I will leave you, but I will not leave you orphaned. I will not leave you alone. For my Father will send in my stead the living presence of the Holy Spirit. And that is the power by which you operate. And it's better that I go away because you will do far more than me in my name. You will be clothed with power from on high. So go. I love the churches that I've seen that at the exit, at the exit places of their parking areas, they have signs erected that, that, that face those leaving the church that say, let the church service begin as Christians drive away. Or in other churches that I've seen, that on the interior doors where you go into the sanctuary, it says, enter to worship. And then across the top of the doorway, as people leave the sanctuary, it says, exit to serve. And that is exactly what we are called to do and to be. We are the body of Christ. We are the hands and the feet of Christ. Every time we pack a sack lunch and hand it out, every time we pound a nail, at a Habitat home, every time we prepare a casserole to give to a church member or someone that we know that is in need, every time that we protect a child, every time that we pick up a turtle stranded in the middle of the road, all of these acts are evidences of the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. And we are witnessing to the love of God that we know in Christ Jesus our Lord. My prayer for us this week, this month, is that we will live out the calling that has been placed upon our lives and fulfill the mission that Jesus Christ has given us to go into the world in word and in deed, remembering His last words to us, Go, make, welcome, teach, transform the world and yourselves as well. I want you to take the bulletin home. Don't leave it in the pew this week because I think what is on the cover of our bulletin this week needs to live. It is a beautiful statement that says to us who we are called to be and the vision that we have as a church, as a body of believers. Take this home, pray over it, live with it, and live it out. It's what we are called to do and to be in our worship, in our teaching, in our serving in our glorifying God and His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as we go out into a new week, into a new month, into a new year, let us hold tight to those famous last words. And I remember the words of my father. Hold on tight, Chuck. And we do need to hold on tight because it's going to be quite a ride. But my friend, sometimes there are those things of which we need to let go. And sometimes it is only in letting go that we realize that we have been and that we are being held. 
For Jesus said, Go, and I am with you always. Until this whole thing is over, I am with you. And he is good to his word. His promises are true. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand and say what we believe using the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we praise you and give thanks to you for your gift of life, for the gift of your reassuring love made known in Jesus Christ, and for the gift of your presence through your Holy Spirit in our midst. We are grateful that these blessings become real for us in the context of community and in relationships of compassion and care forged with others. In the spirit of that care and compassion, we pray for those whose needs are both great and urgent, whose strength has ebbed, whose hope has dimmed. In your mercy, dear God, lift up the fallen, companion the lonely, encourage the disheartened, bring healing and relief to the sick, comfort those crushed by sorrow, and arouse the spirit of hopefulness within those plunged into despair. God of the nations of the earth, we pray for things that make peace in the world. We pray for our nation and her leaders during these times of uncertainty. Teacher God, teach us the meaning of a well-spent life that has more to do with service than with celebrity. Teach us a healing impatience that galvanizes us into action when confronted by injustice, and a holy patience that allows us to wait upon you and others. Teach us to care when we don't feel very caring, to do the loving thing needed for the sake of others, even when we couldn't care less. Teach us to love others even when we may dislike them or when our resentment toward them may tempt us to withhold our love or to seek revenge. So may we be led to reveal the better version of ourselves as reflections of Christ. And now, dear God, grant your quietness to our noisy hearts and let the strain and stress of life give way to your peace. And may our lives be ordered around your truth and justice and love for us all. We lift our voices to you with the words Christ invited us to use when we pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We'd like to welcome you to worship this morning, whether you are worshiping here in the sanctuary, via television, or via our community at Spring Harbor.
Those of you in the sanctuary, I invite you to sign the friendship pads that are located at the end of the aisles and pass those along to those seated next to you. And while we do that, I'd like to highlight a few of the announcements. We begin the story curriculum next week on September 8th. Books and more information are available in the gathering hall, and information is available on our website as well. In preparation for September 8th, we invite you to read chapter 1 of the story. The classes and worship services on September 8th will draw from this first chapter. There are a variety of uh, Christian education classes that will be available to you on Sunday morning, and we encourage you to take part in those as well. This Wednesday, we have the fall kickoff for our Wednesday night church family suppers and for our FX 242 event. Um, the Family Experience 242, there's lots of information on your bulletin. It is a wide-ranging event for families, where there's music, activities, Bible studies, and meal. Church family suppers, there's a meal that begins at 5.30 on Wednesdays with a teaching and Bible study that follows. This year, will be following the, the, the teaching on Wednesday nights will follow the story, so that um, in two weeks, we'll be studying the first chapter. This week is the kickoff event in the gym. Reservations are due by tomorrow at noon to the church office. Let us now continue to worship God with the presentation of our tithes and our offerings.
holy and gracious God, in a broken and fearful world, give us courage to pray without ceasing that your kingdom might come to fruition in the world around us. We offer these gifts so that they might be used for the good of your kingdom, so that we might hear the voices of people long silenced and work with others for the justice, freedom, and peace that only you can bring. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.
children of God, brothers and sisters of Christ, we're being sent. But we do not go alone. Our living God is with us every step of the way. It's His promise to us. And we know that He keeps His promises. So we step out in joy, in humility, in courage, and in hope, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit and sharing His love in every thought, word, and deed with everyone that we meet. So as we go, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord be kind and gracious to us. May the Lord lift up the light of His countenance to shine upon us and give us peace. And all God's children peace today and forevermore. Amen.